Sports Beat Extra. Beats 102-103. I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford. There's more issues than the travel. I said I just can't do it. Games go on and you don't get a goal. You start to have little questions in the back of your mind. Welcome back to the latest edition this Saturday, August 22nd. Another packed show for you where we hear about the future of Carlo GAA and how indoor sports like basketball are going to manage following the new government restrictions. I'm Aoife Kearns and this is Sportsbeat Extra. This week we got the news that all sport in the country will be behind closed doors until at least the 13th of September. Sports events and matches will revert to behind closed doors with strict avoidance of social gatherings before and after events. Following that announcement, the GAA issued a statement inviting the acting CMO and NEFIT to meet with the body's own COVID-19 advisory group. I caught up with Ronan Dempsey, operations manager with Carlo GAA earlier on in the week, to discuss the implications of this. And he tells us how the county have adapted since COVID. It, it crystallised our thinking uh, when people couldn't attend games to, to really get ourselves in gear. And to put the games on on the stream now. Presenter of the left wing back podcast Kevin Regan looks ahead to tomorrow's club hurling action in the county. With the Senior Hurling Championship County Finals taking place this weekend, he feels it will be a strange experience for players to be playing to an empty crowd come county final day. As we all know, county finals are such special occasions and they're used to the pipe band being there, crowd being there, the atmosphere. So I can't actually imagine what that's going to be like for whoever's actually making the county final. Um, because it's just unimaginable. But first, we hear from Nathaniel Cope from Basketball Ireland about how indoor sports will function following an announcement from Sport Ireland yesterday. Sports Beat Extra. Beats 102 103. So I believe Basketball Ireland have finally been issued um, some guidelines in regards to the return to play. Uh, so could you discuss um, what some of these guidelines are, Nathaniel? Yeah, well, so there was welcomed uh, guidelines from from the government um, procured by Sport Ireland. Um, obviously on Tuesday, it was very vague at the start. It was saying limits of six applied to exercise and dance classes. Um, obviously, when it comes to basketball, we have a lot of, uh, there's a lot more to that. Um, obviously, um, so now we have clarity. So, for example, um, summer camps can go ahead. Now it's a case of training pods will be in place. Um, training pod is six for training indoors. Um, competitions, events and tournaments can go ahead as planned up to September 13th, which was the uh, period that had been outlined by the government um, on Tuesday. So that clarity um, means that clubs can proceed pretty much as as normal um, as as they have been doing. Um, So that's obviously welcomed. And what do these new guidelines mean for the likes of the Super League? It means that teams can train as they would have have done um, because teams will be gearing up for uh, their pre-season with our season starting on October 17th, 18th, the weekend of, of that. Um, so it means that they can train as, as normal um, and then gym and pool and fac- facilities, as the government guidelines say, that, that there's a maximum levels of 50 once there's sufficient space there. So obviously once the public health guidelines are adhered to, that's two metres social 
Um So it means that our clubs can can proceed as normal. You know, we had a situation midweek when when we didn't have clarity where Temple Oak, for example, a Super League team, had cancelled all training because they were waiting for those guidelines that we finally received and we were able to issue an on-pass to, to clubs across Ireland on Friday morning. So obviously um, spectators are no longer allowed to attend games as in every single sport they are going to be held behind closed doors and for the likes of basketball I'm sure um, having the spectators there obviously it generates revenue but also it, it generates interest in the sport itself. Uh, would you be disappointed with these rules and would you be hoping that um, by the 13th of September that they would be abolished or how do Basketball Ireland feel about that? Well ultimately Basketball Ireland are are part of the the overarching campaign for for all sports and uh, that uh, we want COVID to be eliminated and we we'll, would we'll contribute our part and adhere to whatever the government guidelines um, are there. You know we're we're relying on medical experts to make decisions. Um, of course, yes. You know ultimately, all sports would like to have spectators. Um, we're lucky in the sense that our season doesn't start until the 17th, 18th of October, so there is time. There's at least a month um, after that September 13th deadline. So we just have to wait and see. Um, with basketball halls and arenas, we're not talking about uh, large capacity arenas, so uh, we just have to wait and see. Um, obviously, it will affect sports such as rugby, uh, soccer, etc., when they're in NGA, when they're in big arenas such as Croke Parks and the Aviva Stadiums, um, you know, where you have, you know, big empty stadiums uh, that might lead to larger cost implications if there's if there's no fans in attendance. Um, that's l- less so the case with basketball, but obviously any club um, around the country will want to have some amount of spectators just because they want to have their fans um, there on the sidelines watching their teams. And obviously there is the issue of it generates uh, a portion of revenue from those gate receipts. Just in terms of going forward, um, hopefully there will be um, the opportunity for fans to go to the games. But if not, is there any streaming services or anything like that that Basketball Ireland are looking into so people can watch the games from home? Well, look, we're looking at all avenues and how we can help fans to to watch uh, basketball Um the, we we're, we're always investigating avenues um, to help clubs, to help fans. Um, we still have obviously two months before Super League season starts, um, so there are, there are things in the background that we'll obviously be looking at. And um, once we get more clearer when it comes closer to the season, you know we, we have contingency plans in place to see see what we can do to help clubs and help and help fans so they can get to watch their 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 teams, etc. This is Sportsbeat Extra. Following news of new COVID-19 restrictions that are expected to be in place until September 13th, all sport, including GAA, will be played behind closed doors in Ireland. Following the announcement, the GAA have issued a statement uh, calling for a meeting between the organisation and NEFIT, as well as the acting CMO, Dr Ronan Glynn. So joining me to discuss the impact of the new COVID-19 measures is Ronan Dempsey, Operations Manager with Carlo GAA. So Ronan, what are Carlo GAA's and yourself as well. What are your thoughts on the move to behind closed doors matches? Yeah, look, I suppose it came as a bit of 
uh, a bolt from the blue yesterday, Aoife. Um, the fact that it's, it's a very fluid situation and obviously things in our wider society seem to be, um, you know, changing very quickly. So from that end of things, you know, I suppose the overall decision from Enfit uh, can be understood. But in the context of um, it being directly related to uh, 100 spectators in particularly the larger stadia around the country, it's probably uh, a little bit disappointing. But again, and I suppose Carla GA has been quite firm in their assertion that, um, you know, we're, we're not going to clamour for uh, extra crowds into stadia if NFIT are advising against it. And, and, and that has been our policy from the start and that public health is, is our priority at all times. And of course, uh, you got a bit of the matches back. Um, obviously, there were spectators attending matches. So how was that going, I suppose, um, from your point of view? Yeah, it was operating very well. I suppose the the pressure was particularly on our clubs with regards to their 50 ticket allocation um, and how they dispersed those among their club members. So that probably put a bit of extra pressure that wasn't needed on the volunteer in each of our clubs um, but I think you know to be fair in general and in the main uh, most of the, the paid up club members understood the situation that uh, their club executives were placed in but things had been had been running fine from that point of view uh, we had no issues in our clubs the show, social distancing uh, was being observed as often as possible um, and again I suppose if you know that comes down to personal responsibility of each individual person. Um, it's very difficult for our volunteer stewards or volunteer stewards in clubs to uh, approach people who may not be practicing the social distancing element. Um, you know, some people, obviously, who they may be uh, friendly with on a, on a day-to-day basis outside of the GDA. So I, I suppose the message, and, and it has always been the message, even from... Uh, the HSE and, and Enfield and everyone else is that the social distancing element and, and, and regard for uh, mask wearing and things like that, it does come down to the individual and that has to be stressed, I think, at all times. For the players themselves, it will be a change actually playing a game that's behind closed doors because obviously uh, up until just yesterday, um, they there were fans actually attending the games, although it would have been limited. Do you think that it'll be kind of a strange kind of uh, difference to adjust to for the players? It will, I'm sure, particularly in their club venues, which they would be very used to having their, their members and their friends and, and members of their family uh, attending their games. The, the stadia will be somewhat different than in Netwatch Cullen Park. I'm sure uh, it'll sound quite cavernous at times, um, with only the, the subs and the sideline to make the noise uh, I'm sure the referees will be will be very clear about things that they'll hear uh, at the weekend but look, it's it's a situation we're having to live with and we're having to adapt to as we go along so look, I'm sure uh, at the back of it all in, in, in our minds and in the players' minds I think the players just want to play the games um, and the fact that we have a streaming service available in conjunction with Park TV. Um, I think hopefully that will allow as many people out there as possible who want to view the games to view them.
And of course, there was clubs all across the country that have um, used similar streaming platforms to watch the games. Do you think that that could be something, I suppose, that will be a permanent fixture in the future? Because, you know, with the COVID-19 pandemic, there's a lot of new kind of um, technologies that have been put in place. But, you know, you have the likes of the elderly spectators that might not have been actually able to see matches in the past that are delighted to be able to watch them at home. Do you think that's something that might... Um, continue into the future? For sure, Aoife, yeah. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, there probably are many elderly people, you know, even if and when, God willing, a vaccine does come on stream, who, who still may be wary about coming to games. And, and even, as you said, the, the elderly and the infirmed over the years who would have loved to watch the games um, will have a chance to do so now. Look, we're, we're in our infancy with our partnership with Park TV. We're very happy with how it's gone. Um, at present and it's something we would have loved to have done over the years but the impetus I suppose you know it, 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 it crystallised our thinking uh, when people couldn't attend games to, to really get ourselves in gear and to, to put the games on, on the stream now I suppose going forward, um, I know that every club has a COVID officer and that's the case across all sports, um, including the GAA. How, and I know yourselves in Carlo did have um, a case within a club um, in the county, but of course there's been loads of different clubs across the country that have had similar um, cases um, within GAA clubs and other sports as well. Uh, do you, how do you think that's going to uh, go going forward? Will it be up to the COVID officers just to continue to make sure all of the necessary um, precautions are being taken? Yeah, I think the COVID officers can't be ultimately responsible for what individuals do and so on and so forth. The protocols from the GEA are very clear from their COVID committee. Um, and I think to be fair to our clubs in particular, I, can't, I won't speak for other counties, but our clubs in particular have been very stringent in following the protocols. And because they're so clear and, and well laid out, uh, Aoife, I think that if all clubs just follow the steps, um, I think we're on good, solid ground uh, if and when cases do arise. And, and our clubs, again, have to be praised for the manner that they've handled uh, not only cases uh, from a positive point of view, but also uh, precautionary steps that they may have taken with regards to possible um, positive tests in clubs. But certainly, I think the key message, and we've been stressing this over the last week or so, uh, players and parents of players, when we're speaking of juveniles, must be very, very stringent when it comes to filling out um, either the online version of the health declaration or a hard copy before training, which updates every player, mentor and coach's health status. And I think once that has been done before every game and every training session and every time the players meet, um, I think it's, it, it's, it's very much in line with public health um, and the promotion of, of, of our protocols from Crow Park. And finally, I'll just ask you, what do you think will come if this meeting is to go ahead between the GAA and NEFID? I suppose, will the GAA be hoping for some adjustment to uh, the rules that have been put forward or what do you think yourself? Yeah, look, I, I suppose it, it's up to the head office in Crow Park to sit down with NEFID um, and, and just discuss the, the ramifications and the implications, I suppose. The biggest thing, while the adult games might be uh, certainly, you know, it mightn't impact them too much from uh, an operational point of view. The, the big worry is for juvenile games and how juvenile games um, 
would manifest themselves in club pitches around the country if parents of younger players uh, were not allowed to attend or accompany their child. So I think that's the clarification that we're seeking. Um, and I'm sure, look, uh, Crow Park and our arts, Jorahor, have done a fantastic job so far since March in handling the situation. And I think they'll do the same again over the coming hours and days. Ronan Dempsey, Operations Manager with Carlo GAA. Thanks very much for speaking to me. Thanks, Eva. Sports Beat Extra. Beat 102-103. So I'm joined on the line by Kevin Regan, uh, presenter of the Left Wing Back podcast, where he talks all things Carlo GAA and some good news this week uh, for Carlo footballers uh, that Niall Carew has been appointed manager of the Carlo footballers. So, Kevin, what does this mean uh, for the Carlo senior football team? You know, this has been a lengthy process Aoife, over the last couple of months in trying to replace Turlock O'Brien. And it was never going to be an easy task because Turlock obviously did some fantastic work with us. Like, and um, some of the best days we've had for years came under Turlock's reign. So this was always going to be a very interesting appointment. And um, they've obviously taken their time over it. And yeah, as you rightly said, in the end, they've gone with Niall Carew. Uh, Ger Brennan comes in with him, former All-Ireland winner with Dublin, of course. And um, would be best known for... St. Vincent as well on top of that and being head of the GA with uh, UCD who've enjoyed Sigerson's success in the last couple of years. So um, we've had, I suppose, two high-profile guys coming in together. Um, I I'm not quite sure where they in the running initially. I suppose everyone was kind of talking about Stephen Porter, Joe Murphy, uh, Pat Critchley was mentioned as well. So um, Niall would have managed in Carlo with Palatine two years ago and they would have got to the county final losing out to a very good air oak side. And he would have managed Waterford at different stages. Um, he was also with Sligo, and they got to a Connacht final, I think, in 2015. And, yeah, like he, he, he actually was selected under Kieran McGinney with Kildare as well. So he has a pretty good CV. Um, last year, I know, he was with Ballylion and Leash, and they crashed out of the championship at the quarter-final stage. But, yeah, look, this is, this is what they've come up with. Um, the interesting side of it, if I would say, is, like, Ron Dempsey obviously came out last week and spoke about the difficulties that Carlo G are facing financially. And obviously, as you know, with, with outside managers and stuff, it does come at a cost. There is an expense to it, as we all know. Let's not kid anyone here. So it's just interesting in the space of a week that we saw that from uh, the county board and then a week later, the guys appoint two outside guys. It's just, it's just interesting. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it's certainly an interesting one, um, to say the least. And for people that might not be aware of that, there's a certain debt that the Carlo GA has built up. Could you explain the situation as best as you can? Yeah, well, look, I, I'm not completely in the know, um, but I would imagine that obviously, like most county boards, the lack of getting people to games has proven to be a bit of a problem. And the guys have set up streaming in recent weeks. It's going to be operational um, from a financial point of view this weekend. They have tried it out over the past couple of weeks, so I know they're hoping to generate revenue through that. Um, the exact ins and outs of why they're in that situation is something I wouldn't be fully aware of. But, like, I suppose with with county inter-county stuff kind of limited this year for the most part, um, I'm not quite sure what the situation is. Um, it's obviously something you don't want to see. You don't want to see anyone struggling. And I would certainly hope, obviously, that they, they kind of get those issues sorted out. And, you know, because obviously you don't want to see anyone in trouble, be it a, a county board or, or be it a business, uh, especially with, with COVID going on, you know. You mentioned there about 
revenue being generated um, with people actually attending games and sadly across the whole country and in every single sport that is no longer possible due to the new government guidelines. Do you think that this will be an adjustment uh, for players I suppose you know, playing a match without the crowd behind you. I'm sure it's a strange experience. And I know that you talk to a great deal of players on your podcast, The Left Wing Back. Yeah, we would have had like, and um, it is it is a strange one, certainly. And I think it will really hit home on county final day. So obviously you had the semi-finals in Carroll this weekend, the county finals down for the week after. And like, as we all know, county finals are such special occasions. And they're used to the pipe band being there, crowd being there. The atmosphere. So I can't actually imagine what that's going to be like for whoever is actually making the county final, um, because it's just unimaginable. Like even in the worst of times, that's a situation nobody would ever have faced. So, like I, I just don't know. I, I don't think it's going to, um, you know, obviously play a part in terms of the efforts in which the players are putting in. And I have to say, looking at some of the streams so far the standard is quite high still, so it hasn't deteriorated from from that point of view. But as we all know, we love a bit of encouragement. We love that bit of excitement. And players do feed off that, you know. So it's it's definitely bizarre, Aoife. And I know from your own point of view, like you, you can't be getting to a game. And I just feel that the GEA clubs around the country did so well in recent weeks in terms of the numbers, in terms of controlling the environment in which the games are going ahead. And I don't think they could have done it anymore. And I know... I speak for the majority of people when I outline the disappointment of the fact that the games, as we stand, are going to be behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. I guess there's a bigger picture. I know there's a lot of play and you have to be very safe, but I did find it a bit disappointing, if I'm, if I'm being brutally honest about it. I'm sure the players do as well. Absolutely. And as you said, the the thoughts of actually playing a county final and no one there, I'm sure, you know, it's it takes the adrenaline and the excitement kind of out of it a bit. Um, so it will be interesting to see how that will go, as you said. Um, looking ahead to this weekend and tomorrow, it'll be the semi-finals. Um, so what what would you fancy for uh, those semi-finals? Well, I suppose Rangers have been the foreign team so far. Um, they have a full allocation of points. They're moving very well. And uh, last weekend, I suppose, they would have been St. Mullins in what really was a dead rubber game. There wasn't a huge amount of stake in that. St. Mullins would have been down Martin Kavanagh and James Doyle as well. So Rangers have looked very good. Um, they've won for, they made a sluggish start to the championship and they would have had their critics up and down. Uh, but in the last couple of weeks, they've carried out a couple of victories against Ballon Killen. And um, I suppose the real highlight of the championship so far was their encounter with Bagnasound Gales last week, which they edged out 23 points to 117. So they're kind of after building up a little bit of momentum. They would have had, and still do have, a huge rivalry with Manchester Rangers, even though Rangers have pushed on in recent years and are probably that little bit ahead still. I would probably fancy Rangers to win, but Michael and will definitely come all comes all guns blazing there, no doubt about it. And we all know well that uh, you can't beat a bit of uh, parish rivalry uh, to fire that kind of... Uh, uh, oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And I think there's a, there's a huge amount of stake, obviously, um, being a semi-final and that, and Equally, with the second one, the second one is an interesting encounter because Ballinkillen would have beaten St. Mullins in the group stages and St. Mullins, as we all know, got to the Leinster Senior Final last year against Ballinkillen Starbucks. Mm. So, um, Ballinkillen, I know, would have had a couple of injuries. Uh, David English, Sean Whelan, um, Craig Wall, Sean Murphy, just to name a few, and they would have been their inter-county players. Um, I know they're hoping to have those guys back to give it a, to give it a full lash. Uh, St. Mullins were missing Marty Kavanagh, as I mentioned last weekend. 
he will be a huge addition if he's back fully fit. James Doyle, I don't think he's going to be back. I think he's actually ruled out for, for some time. So it's going to be a tight one. Ballon Killen have threatened to push on in recent years. In my opinion, now is their time to do so. But still, you probably just have to fancy St Mullins. So finally, I'm going to ask you a kind of a mad question. But if you are a betting man, would you bet that the senior championship will go ahead? Yes, the the All Ireland series. Um, yes, sorry, the All Ireland series. Yeah. I should say. The last couple of weeks, we, we've seen with, with the Leash Kildare Offaly situation that things can change so quickly. I would have felt from the get go that it was a pretty good opportunity to just forget about the intercounty stuff and remind people that the club is obviously the most important thing in the GA. That's where everyone starts with. That's where everyone generally finishes with. So, like whether it will or won't, I suppose it's like looking into a crystal ball at the moment, and obviously. Money is, is the biggest issue here and um, it plays a huge role obviously in the GA and it would be down a lot of money if it wasn't to go ahead. Um, I don't think it's to be all and end all. Um, from my point of view, I would have loved to have seen the club championships being kept in terms of Leinster and Munster and, and have an All-Ireland series and finish it out within the calendar year. I thought that would have been a very good opportunity hmm. to go and do that. So, look, I suppose we'll have to see. It's very, it's very difficult to say that things can change so, so quickly. We all probably want to see an All-Ireland Championship at the end of the day. Um, it would be disappointing, but it's not to be all end all. As we said, there's a bigger picture mm. of play here and hopefully everyone just keeps safe and well. And I suppose for the players' point of view, as long as they get to play to some capacity and, you know, they're happy enough in, to some degree. Yeah, well, this is it. Like, and I mean, if you ask anyone that's involved with the club, the numbers so far have been absolutely huge. Like, I think this whole COVID thing just gave everyone a greater appreciation of the fact that they can go play again when, when, when restrictions were lifted kind of initially and you kind of got the grow for it back. That can't be underestimated at the end of the day. People people love the game and they, they cherish it like all around the country. And even if you had niggles with injuries or whatever or you felt, oh, I couldn't go on, the fact that it's taken away from you makes you want it that bit more. And I think that's what has really, you know, played a part in, in numbers rising this year. You're getting people going back because they can't really be without it, as the fella said, you know. Yeah, look, it's, it's, that's this is this is where we're at. I I would hope at this stage for that we can that all the you know the respective counties get their club championships played. Whether that will happen or not, again, is very difficult to say. But I would be quite happy to see every county getting their club stuff done. And to be honest, on a personal level, I wouldn't be too disappointed if there's no inter-county championship. Kevin Regan from the Left Wing Back Podcast. Thanks very much for speaking with me. No problem, Eva. Thank you. This is Sportsbeat Extra. And that is all we have for this week's edition of Sportsbeat Extra. You can listen back to today's show on our website, beat102103.com, in the podcast section. Kevin Galvin is back in the hot seat next week, but for now, David Hammond is providing the soundtrack to your Saturday night, and he's up next with Beat Anthems.